We just needed to make sure that our plan aligned with, with the policy and with the legislation. What units are you looking at right now that um, would have a, you'd be in that third category where you're trying to reduce the numbers? So, so we watch bears closely, but we, we only, we don't change things every year for bears. We make some changes, let them run for three years and see where we are and then, then make recommendations. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Taryn Hunt. Excited to bring you another episode today. Before we jump into the podcast, though, I do want to thank our sponsors. Uh, first and foremost, Vortex Optics. They sponsor everything that we do here at uh, eHunter. We're grateful for them and their relationship, the relationship that we have with them. Also new to the podcast sponsorship this month is PhoneScope. Pretty sure most everybody's familiar with PhoneScope, but if you're not, um, what PhoneScope is, is it's a phone case that you can put your phone into and then it also attaches to your uh, your optic, whatever optic you have, and then you can film through your Vortex optics. So really cool, I use them a ton, have done for years. Uh, they're super easy to use. Um, again, perfect case, fits perfectly into your phone as well as the case for your, or the adapter for your optic, whatever optic you have. So check them out. Uh, they got a lot of uh, cool stuff up on their website. Um, as well outside of just the normal phone scopes. So appreciate them being a sponsor for us this month and again I always appreciate Vortex for what they do for us. Now, on this podcast today I have Darren DeBlois of the Utah DWR and he talks with us about the new management plans for bears in Utah. So if you're a guy that hunts or a guy or gal that hunts bears in Utah or have a desire to hunt bears in Utah you're going to want to be up to date with these um, updates and changes. So. Um, without further ado, let's jump into that podcast. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for all that you do to, to support us. So hope you guys enjoy it. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the eHunter Newscast. I'm your host again for this episode, Taryn Hunt. Excited about this podcast, as I seem to be every podcast. But um, going back to my home state of Utah, I love talking to uh, biologists and program coordinators and guys that just know know their stuff when it comes to Utah and so, like I said, really excited about this podcast today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, black bears in Utah. But um, on the, the podcast with me today, I have Darren DeBlois. Um, he is the Game, Man, Game Mammals Program Coordinator there in Utah. Welcome to the podcast, Darren. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. Excited to have you on, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to do this. Um, as, as always, before we jump into um, our conversation of the day, if you wouldn't mind just taking a few minutes, tell tell the listeners um, really who you are. I mean, I, I gave your, your title, but tell people about like what you do there in Utah and, and some of the things that you oversee. All right. Well, I, uh, I'm the Game Mammals Coordinator, as you said, and that, that program in Utah encompasses um, predators and, and fur bearers. So uh, the big predators we have here are, are cougars and, and black bears, and then uh, things like beavers, mink, um, bobcats, and, you know, the, the types of things that people typically trap for fur. Uh, those are all things that, that I work with here and, and try to coordinate across the state. Nice. Nice. We kind of chatted a little bit before we got on. So yeah, you're you're more the the predator side of things, like you said, the bears, the the mountain lions, things like that, and and not the ungulates, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Deer and elk are mammals, but in in, in Utah, that's our big game program. That that'd be a different coordinator who who oversees ungulates. So you know, all the deer, elk, bighorn, sheep. Um, we actually have a couple of coordinators that one does sort of the the sheep and, and goats. We have mountain goats in Utah. I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but yeah, that'd be that'd be a different program. So and we work closely together, though, because obviously, um, if you're if predators are your responsibility, um, their prey, um, their prey are an issue. So, <laughs> exactly. so we work closely across programs to to you know we have concerns that those kinds of things. Well, when I put it out that I was going to be recording this podcast with you, um, you know, a lot of people are very interested in hunting um, black bears, mountain lions, things like that in in Utah. Um, but that's kind of a lot of people's thought was, well, those predators affect, you know, they impact some of the other animals that I hunt, such as, you know, mule deer or elk or, you know, things like that. And right. so, yeah, they definitely go together. So 
you mentioned the big horns. Now, is that Jace that's over that part? Is that who you're talking about there? Um, actually, uh, Riley Peck has has taken that position. He's he's uh, he was our central region supervisor, and he also helps us uh, work with the legislature when they're in session. So he's got a full plate. But Jace has uh, moved to a different job. He's working with uh, the Air Force on some of their property here. So, so yeah, oh. Riley is the new Bighorn and Goats guy. Oh, that's awesome! I'll have to reach out to him. I don't I don't know him. I knew Jace and. Um, had done a podcast uh-huh. with him, um, but I don't know Riley, so I'll have to reach out and uh, get to know him a little bit as well. Um, yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, you know, and that's what's cool, and, and I'm already going to get into the weeds here and kind of go down a rabbit hole, <laughs> but, you know, like, you guys are so cool to do this, and I really appreciate it. Um, I have found, you know, most states, you know, wildlife biologists and program coordinators, things like that, are, are usually pretty good to talk to me, and, you know, my listeners and the people that follow eHunter are very appreciative because, you know, you can get so much from an article. You can read an article and you're like, okay, that that's great. But being able to actually sit down and talk through the details, you get so much more information and and it sheds a different light on things. So so you guys in Utah, I really appreciate you guys. You guys are all great guys and, and really cool to, to share a lot of information with us. And, and I just want to share that from the beginning. Just appreciate you guys being willing to share this information with us. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it helps us too. You know, we we uh, we like to be as transparent as possible and, and let people know why we're doing what we're doing. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, people think that that we're we're from the government. We're here to help, and that's usually a bad thing. And so, <laughs> um, so it's it's good to, to be able to talk and, and reach an audience and, and let people know what we're up to. Yeah, when I first started this, I started with my buddy Mike Wardle. Um, you and I kind of talked about him before we hit record, and and he was yeah. just so nice to talk to me about things. And I thought he did that just because, you know, we're friends and we know each other. But uh, I'm come to find out that everybody's just cool like that. And yeah, you guys have so much information to share, so we appreciate it. Yeah, we have um, a lot of a lot of good people. Yeah, yeah, I, I could give shout outs all day to the people, the, the yeah. folks in Utah, because you guys are all great. <laughs> um, well, really, the, the reason I wanted to have you on the call today, Darren, was to, to talk about um, updates to the bear management plan that you guys mm-hmm. um, have implemented there in Utah. I know, I know they're not major changes, um, but a few little changes, so I kind of want to talk about that today, um, and then really just kind of um, you know bear hunting there in Utah. There's a lot of people, uh, I, I would think a lot of people, I, I've, I've heard from a lot of people that would like to come to to Utah and hunt bears. Um, I've got a lot of family in Utah that um, are interested in bear hunting, so I'd like to ask you some questions today, if that's all right. Yeah. So let's start. Let's start with the the changes to the the management plan. Can you kind of touch on those changes and how this year is different from previous years? Yeah. Um, last last year, uh, there there was a lot of concern. So we've had, you know, this goes back to talking about big game and how how predators and 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 those animals interact on the landscape. And so um, we had some conditions here, and I don't know if you've seen it in Colorado, but certainly in other parts of the West where we had, you know, really bad drought year followed by a heavy winter. Mm-hmm. And um, and we saw high mortality among deer fawns. And so, you know, those deer fawns are the two points that everybody sees the following hunting season. And when they, you know, on some parts of of the state, but that's half of the bucks on the landscape. And so when you lose that many yearling bucks, it's obvious, you know, people really see that. So there was, there was some, some legitimate concern in the state about uh, deer herds that, that had, you know, been growing pretty well um, over the last five to eight years. And, and then we saw some, some big declines. So, and it wasn't, it wasn't a, habitat issue writ large it was these conditions that sort of aligned this sort of perfect storm of drought followed by hard winter and so we lost a lot of those populations and had a really uh, alarming deer hunt um, a couple of years ago so the legislature um, was concerned and, and they were hearing from constituencies across the state and and drafted some legislation that directed our our director when predators are, are suppressing or and we can show that, that they're causing uh, big game populations to struggle mm-hmm. to meet their harvest objectives or their population objectives that, that we take action to, to lower predator density. So that's that's a long-winded background. <laughs> <laughs> 
but but that's that that leads directly to why we made some changes to the bear plan so we actually made some uh adjustments based on that new uh new law that passed to our cougar hunting um there's a policy that we use to directly address this and uh what we can do is if we if we have concerns based on our data that um that predators are are preventing us from meeting our population objectives um we we can write a predator management plan for a given part of the state and um and the objective there is to lower predator densities not to eliminate them but to really get that population back in balance with its prey base and and so so the policy addresses cougars bears um and um we made adjustments to the cougar plan last summer and then the bear the bear plan uh, was was done this december and so for bears like you said there are only really a couple of small things um we needed to make sure what the objective with a predator management plan for bears would be if we if we can see that bears are limiting uh yield their populations and, and I, maybe I could just add that you know we we've put a lot of uh, effort in Utah into um, trying to understand our big game populations. We've got a ton of GPS callers out across the state on on different yielder populations, mm-hmm. in addition to other things, elk and and some other populations. Um, and um, so we get pretty good data. You know, those are taking a location every couple of hours. And when we detect that an animal is dead, um, we have folks go in and try to determine the cause of death. So we've, in, on some units, we're not doing it everywhere, but on some units of the state, we have some really good data on on what is what are the leading causes of mortality among different population segments. So both we have one study that looks at neonate or newly born fawns from zero to six months. Um, other studies are looking at fawns once they're older than that and, and whether they're making it through the winter and if they're not, what's what's their cause of mortality and then also adults. And um, and so we're starting to see um, what what effect predators might be having on these populations. And um, on one study, the book cliffs, which is in sort of northeastern Utah out in the Uinta Basin, south of Uinta Mountain Range. Um, we, we did see a lot of uh, bears eating fawns. And so sometimes bears can have an effect. You know, if they, if they eat enough fawns as they hit the ground, you can see a reduction in your potential to increase that population. And so that's the kind of data we're basing these decisions on. And what the what the pop the policy is is in in our bear plan we have sort of three categories of management strategies for bears um, one would be a, a a population growth model so that you're you're trying to grow bears the the bear population um, the second one sort of a middle of the road where you're just maintaining what you've had and there's a third option to reduce populations over time if uh if we detect bears are, are causing these these concerns with prey populations what we do and this these are the changes to the plan we'd shift those units so the geographical bear unit into a, into this third category where we're trying to reduce the number of, of black bears in that area and then uh, we needed to make sure our plan reflected that change because that that's not exactly how it was written to begin with so those are the changes they uh, they say that uh, we'll follow the policy, and, and if a bear unit needs to go under a predator management plan, we'll manage it for reduction in densities. And uh, there's another, I don't know how far in the weeds you want to get on the plan, but basically we're saying that if those, those units that are in predator management don't count to the overall statewide consideration, what, what we try to do statewide is, is kind of be in that maintain category of bears. Um, so, so what so units? That, that's long-winded. I don't know if any no, of that was good or not. But. That was fantastic. <laughs> that's absolutely absolutely fantastic, and it raised a couple of questions I have for you. So, what 
what units are you looking at right now that um, would have a you'd be in that third category where you're trying to reduce the numbers so um, the book list is, is one where we've really got some data but that one that one's already kind of in the so a, a, a unit even under when it's not under predator management might be in that category to be to begin with oh, and gotcha. so so there's a couple of considerations one is what's your in, in Utah we have a quota mm-hmm. on or a harvest objective on bear units that once it's reached that that unit would close and that's same and with mountain on, lines as well right yeah yeah and so um you know maybe that that unit just doesn't ever close and so you know you could you could make it you could add more permits but you're probably not going to take any more bears so those are the kinds of nuances that we look at but book list is one where we've we've been trying to reduce bear numbers and so so that didn't go into a predator management plan but um but it's one where we do have some good data and right now um what what the policy says we'll do is we'll we'll evaluate these twice a year mm-hmm. so we'll look at all the data we have available and decide if if we need to have the director move it into a, under a predator management plan and what those those rely really heavily on our local district biologists who know the area the best to make determined determinations about what's going on on the ground and do we have enough bears that we're starting to see impacts. Predator management in general is sort of the rule of thumb is that the closer to the carrying capacity uh, for the unit and carrying capacity just is what can the habitat support of deer and elk and everything else. Um, the closer you are, that deer population is to what the habitat will support, the less effective predator management is because if predators aren't eating them, something else will like winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but if they're, and this is what's happened here, we've had this large reduction in those populations, so they're way below what the habitat can support. And, and if we see, you know, a lot of bear mortality in swans, lowering those bear populations temporarily um, could allow that, that release that, that deer population to sort of fill up the, and, and reach the habitat potential for the unit quicker. And so that'd be the goal. So um, on the ground, we haven't recommended any bear units um, at the moment. Okay. We just needed to make sure that our plan aligned with with the policy and with the legislation. Mm-hmm. So it's an option we have, but we haven't needed to exercise it yet for bears. We, we did make some significant changes um, to cougar management last year, and we can get into that if you want. But um, those cougars seem to be, cougars and coyotes seem to be the two that, that have the biggest impacts mm-hmm. on, on those populations. Well, I think the reason I, you know, was curious about the units is because when I, I put this out there that I was doing this podcast with you, um, a lot of people thought, okay, well, this is going to be great. Now they're going to be putting out a lot more uh, bear tags, and there's a lot better odds mm-hmm. for me to get a, a, <laughs> a bear tag in Utah. Um, yeah. and, and I didn't really think, is that the case? Or I mean, It sounds like it's not. It sounds like you guys haven't made like decisions on which units you're going to do that yet. Um, but it, do you guys see or project that bear tags will go up? Yeah, um, so there's a different mechanism, you know, so the plan is written so that as populations, bear populations grow, we, we can issue additional permits. And we've, we've been on a steady increase in Utah over the last five years. What we've seen is we've seen growing bear populations, probably even over the last decade. And, um, and so there's more, there are more bear permits available in Utah now than, than there have been probably in the last 20 years. Yeah. The same thing for mountain lions. Another thing we did is we added some spot and stock opportunities uh, in Utah for bears. And so those would be, those are intentionally designed to overlap our fall big game hunts. The idea is if you're out hunting deer or elk or, or some other big game species and you, and you happen to see a bear, you could harvest it if you had a, a permit in your pocket. Nice. And that increases opportunity that's obviously not you know not as successful a hunt as, as when you're using dogs or, or bait or something like that but it's it's a different additional opportunity and that allowed us to issue more permits as well so 
right now in Utah to hunt bears. Um, you know, we don't have as many bears as some other states, but, but there certainly is a lot of opportunity here to do it right now. Yeah, it seems like here in Colorado, there's a, a plethora <laughs> of bears. Yeah, uh, you you can't go hunting. It seems like any. Well, I shouldn't say that. Usually, when I go hunting, I see bears. Um, but last year during my elk hunt, I bought a bear tag. It's like I always see bears, so I might as well have this in my pocket and harvest one when I see it. Of course, I didn't see a bear during that hunt, but <laughs> right. that's usually how it goes. Like when you take an umbrella, it never rains. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> so in Utah, and I, I'm sorry, I'm going to kind of get into the weeds as well. Um, no, lots of questions running through my head, and I'm, I'm sure people listening are going to have these same questions, especially those that aren't in Utah. Um, so you talked about the spot and stock tags for, for Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, does Utah have any units that you can bait, um, units that you can use dogs? I think yeah. I know the answer, but I'll, I'll let you answer those questions. Yeah, so we have different seasons in Utah. We have got we do have a spring um, hound season that, that begins early early in the spring, and that's um, that allows the use of, of dogs. You can spot and stock on any of these, but, but you don't have a specific tag. You can... But it's a lot. You're sorry. You're allowed to use hounds. Okay. You don't necessarily have to, but most people do. Okay. Um, and that's followed up by a, a early, late spring, early summer bait season. They overlap by a week. So um, after after that first week, then it's it's bait only in the summer. And then in the fall, we have a concurrent bait and and hound seasons across the state. In addition to that spot and stock opportunity that kind of lays across the top of them during those fall big game seasons. So lots of opportunity. Um, yeah. What we do, the, the, how we regulate bear, you know, bear population and, and hunting and how we, how we recommend um, permit numbers is based on the number of females we see in the harvest and, and what our management objective is for that particular unit. So um as a general rule of thumb, if you're trying to grow black bears, you want to keep the percentage of females in the harvest down. So you've got those breeding females out there uh, to, to reproduce. And, um, and the second thing we look at is the age of males that are, that are taken. We want to keep an older age component in, in units where we're trying to grow bears just so we have mature males doing the breeding. And there's also, you know, those are the those are the bears that people want to take if they're hunting is is a big male. So yeah. we want to make sure that that opportunity exists too so on units where we can grow, and then uh, on units where we're trying to reduce, you know, we'd increase the, the female take and allow younger bears, the age class of bears, to, to get lower, and that that would indicate a 10 to 20 percent reduction in population over time. And for bears, we do this on a three-year cycle. They you know, they're relative to other animals. They're slow reproducing. You know, they have a couple of cubs every other year. Maybe some females will, will skip, you know, two or three and, and sometimes multiple years before they have cubs again. And so you, they're sensitive to harvest. You can affect numbers fairly quickly and then back off and, and kind of maintain. So, so we watch bears closely, but we, we only, we don't change things every year for bears. We, make some changes, let them run for three years and see where we are. And then, then make recommendations based on the last three years. Oh, that's smart. That's absolutely smart. So with the, I saw, you know, I know that the, uh, application period just opened up. I think it was yesterday if I remember right, or maybe two days ago. I can't mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it just opened up recently. Um, def- and, you can you can tell me to stay in my lane if you want to, but are, are there units that you you recommend for our listeners? Are there units that are better than others for for bear hunts in Utah? I mean, kind of. I guess what are those those better units there? We have we do have high density bear units in and and those be there's there's like the big three would be the Book Cliffs unit, which again is it's kind of in between Price and Vernal. It's that country you know, out, out in northeastern part of the state, and that's the book cliffs okay. and up against Colorado. Um, the other big unit is, is the, the LaSalle mountains, which is right on the Cal- Colorado border in southeastern Utah and the San Juan, which is adjacent to it. Those are, those are high density bear units, but they're also incredibly popular bear units. And, and on the LaSalle's in particular, we, you know, we, we deal with issues of, 
lots of hunters on the ground and and you're you know that's that's something you just have to deal with but that's a people thing yeah um but our, our populations across the state are up so uh the mid in the wasatch mountains from salt lake south um places like the boulder um in southern utah in any of those mountainous areas uh, we've, we've got good bear populations we've seen increase in, in success and and populate or uh, permit numbers have, have been increased over the last five to eight years so um we tell everybody in utah you know that are using the backcountry utah's bear country if you're in the mountains in utah yeah. there are there are bears and um and we're seeing bears move into areas where you know 10 years ago you just didn't see that many places like you know the cache up by bear lake mm-hmm. um up by idaho and wyoming you know, the idaho wyoming country densities are low i mean it's not a sure thing but there's definitely more bears than there were eight or ten years ago so in that area so so on a personal level since i'm from st george and i think everybody listening can tune this out if you want to but <laughs> um are you guys <laughs> yeah. seeing any bears on pine valley or southwest desert units you know that's a good question um i'd have to you know i could pull something up and look while we're talking just to kind of see what 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 they're what they're looking like what their harvest has been but um one thing I'd tell everybody, you know, if you're, if you're curious about scouting and where you should look and where you should go and, uh, you know, uh, reach out to our regional folks. Um, each, each, we have five regions in Utah and, um, we have you know, Northern central, which is sort of the salt lake. It, it's out of Springville, but it's kind of salt lake south to, um, what E from Nephi, a little further south than that. And then the southern region is sort of the southwest part of the state. Southeast speaks for itself. And northeast is sort of the book cliffs country. And then, um, but there's offices there. If you reach out to those offices, you can uh, you can get hooked up with a, with a district biologist for whatever area you're interested in and, and ask them questions. The other thing, um, and, and this is probably something that people could really do quick and then call if they have further questions we have a hunt um, planner on our on our website that people can access and it'll give you um, it'll give you details on each unit what what the prospects look like what the bear populations have been doing Um, people can access that If, if they just google utah hunt planner they can get into that select the unit they might be interested in so those are a couple of good resources that people are looking to, to look at units and see what the track record has been and, and what the biologist has says. What they try to do is give kind of the same information they give over the phone. And then if you had a specific question, you could reach out to them. Holy um, smokes. I have, I just pulled this up while you were, you were talking about that. Oh, I have good. never used this before. I mean, I'm from Utah, so I kind of know the areas that I want to hunt in. And I spent half my life in some of these units. So I, I kind of, well, I'm going to say I know what I'm doing, but I truly don't know what I'm doing. But, um, (laughs) but this is, this is awesome. So you, you select by your hunts. You have to know your hunt number. I guess you have hunt number or hunt name. And then, Uh yeah. And then just your species, sex, hunt type and weapon type. And it'll tell you everything you need to know about that area. Yeah. That's cool. got a ton of information. So a real good resource for Utah. If you're, if you're interested in coming here and you want to kind of, do some online scouting. That's a really good resource. Yeah, that is fantastic. Thank you, Darren. I appreciate that. Like I said, I didn't yeah. even know about that. Man, that's awesome. And the only reason I ask about those other those units is, you know, like I said, I've spent half my life in those units. Um, uh, I don't know that I've seen any bear in, in either one, um, but I may not be in the right areas either for it. So, again, that's just a personal note of those that are listening <laughs> may not care too much yeah. about those two units, but um, I, cer- I certainly do. So, um, my, my sense is that the populations are are low, and, and as you get further west, you tend to see fewer bears. But but we are starting to see you know bears show up in some of these areas where where we haven't seen them traditionally. So. Mm-hmm. That's, that's... Um, I, I think your sense is right. You have the same sense I do about it. Yeah, the region would would have more details, but yeah. 
Okay. Well, I appreciate that, Darren. And, and, and actually, that's a good point. Um, reaching out to the regional, and I know the, the biologist in that area. That's just something I've never even asked him. I just, you know, I'm always asking questions about deer and elk, and I haven't asked about antelope recently, but I'll have to ask him about bear. Um, Darren, one other thing I did want to touch on, you, you talked about the cougar program, um, and we did an article on that last year. I think it was last summer is when you guys came out with that. Um, but if you yeah. wouldn't mind, just do, can you touch on that real quickly, kind of tell everybody kind of what that program looks like in Utah for, for mountain lions? Yeah, so um, we, do, we do mountain lion recommendations every year in the summertime. Um, at, but they're they're covered under this predator management policy as well as a result of, of the the new law, and and we've had the policy in place and and based on our big game data knew that that we needed to make some tweaks and and I think it's it's really good. The idea is the way I look at it is, you know, deer eat sagebrush and browse, and if you went out on your range and that stuff was just getting absolutely hammered. Um, you'd want to issue doe tags. You'd want to reduce your deer population. You just have too many mouths on the on the landscape. And so it's not really any different than predators. If you're starting to see big impacts to uh, to the prey base, um, you, you know, you really, as a manager, you want to reduce those, those predator densities to try to balance that out a little bit. And where that can really, it can come into effect in a couple of ways. You can get a large reduction in deer numbers and and you don't immediately lose the numbers of predators on the landscape they they still can kill stuff and, and eat it but but they can have a bigger effect because the net effect is bigger on a smaller population and so that's those are the things we're looking at um, we've got some really good gps data cause specific mortality data that we didn't have 10 years ago mm-hmm. um and so, so that really helps inform that. And we rely on our district biologists to take a look and, and see, you know, what, what's going on? Uh, you know, what are your, what are your populations doing? Um, cougar populations are hard because it's not something you can just go out on the hillside and count. And so we rely on these other metrics. And so cougars are like bears. We're looking at females in the harvest and the age, average age of, uh, for a unit to, sort of get a feel for what's going on we also do uh we've recently um, done a, a population reconstruction of both bears and and cougars and the way that works is you look at the ages of animals in the harvest and say you know someone brings in a five-year-old mountain lion um to uh, every bear and lion that's killed in utah has to be checked in with with one of our regional offices and we we do an age estimate on the spot but we also pull a tooth and do uh, an analysis of the tooth and and you can count rings just like you do on a tree and you get an estimate for age and so we plug all that in so the idea is you know if you have a five-year-old lion off of the boulder unit this year you know that lion was four years old and we know it was alive the year before because it didn't get killed until the year you're in and you can kind of you could do that with all the ages for a given year and sort of back calculate. So it was four year old the year before it was three years old the year before that and so on. Mm-hmm. And if you do that for all your harvested animals, you get, you wind up with a minimum, you know, in order to harvest these animals, you had to have at least this many. Um, we don't estimate. So we only estimate adults because people, it's illegal to take a, a kitten or a cub. So those don't show up in your harvest, and um, and people select for older animals, and so you, you tend to to see those in the harvest a little bit. So there's you know there's a little bit of error there. Mm-hmm. So we don't use it to make management decisions, but it does give us a good sense for trend. And we've seen both both mountain lion and, and bear numbers growing over the last decade or so, um, and and it makes sense. We've you know we've grown. We've grown mule deer in Utah uh, recently. You know, we've seen the downturn the last couple of years, but but really we had, you know, three years ago, we had as high a deer population as, as we've had probably historically, or certainly within the last 25 years. Well, that's, I talked to you know, uh, since the 80s. 
yeah, I talked to Kobe about that, and yeah, he was comparing the numbers just to like yeah, tw- exactly twenty years ago, and it, it's mind boggling how many more mule deer we have now yeah. in Utah than we did twenty years ago. Yeah, I mean it's it's not the fifties, but it's no, but it's but... high. <laughs> and so, and I, you know, that there's probably a lot of factors why it was ever as high in the forties and fifties as it was, but that that my, maybe we can or can't recreate. But um, my grandpa still rub, but, rub that in my face how good it was back yeah, then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My my dad grew up in uh, in Holden down in, in down by Richfield. Uh-huh. He has stories. You know, he he was in high school in the fifties. So yeah. <sighs> Those lucky yeah. buggers. He was there, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So yeah, when you grow those populations, those those uh, the animals that eat there have the opportunity to have more babies and, and grow too. So they kind of grow along with each other. Uh, but if you get a drought followed by a winter and you lose a lot of those deer, um, you, the, the lions don't just leave. And um, you know, there's some studies out of California and, and some other places in the West that show that they they tend to still kill the same number of deer and eat them and they select for deer. They don't necessarily switch. And that could be, you know, deer, deer about the right size. It provides, provides a good, a good food base, food base. They're not as big as an elk, so that they're not quite as challenging to take down. They're more numerous on the landscape. So, uh, you know, they're just more likely to get taken. But anyway, there's a lag between the time those predator numbers start to react to lower deer numbers. Um, and it can be, you know, as, as many as seven years in some studies. So oh, wow. our objective is to get in, um, get those densities down over a shorter period of time, over, you know, two or three years, and then back off and, and allow those populations, now they're a little bit in more, more balance. Um to kind of move from there so so that's the objective um we made some big changes last year we we have a lot of units that we put into predator management plans for lions and our strategy for lions is a little different we um what we do there is just that the unit becomes unlimited for take so there's no cap um the, the idea again is to to try to reduce those numbers over the short term and so you know we're aggressive mm-hmm. we uh definitely do that so um there's there's That's... if people are interested they can look at our guidebook to see what units fall under those categories but this is the first season lion season runs it's kind of from november to november but the peak peak time is during the winter when you can uh track them and get out and hunt so yeah, my... we're kind of in the middle of, of our lion peak hunting season right now we'll we'll see how that all lines up in the spring so my cousins all have uh, hound dogs and that's a a lot they spend a lot of their winters doing that and um yeah helping helping people get mountain lions and getting their own mountain lions and and things like that and they absolutely love it you know i kind of had that question you answered it for me but you know like how do you guys manage the the numbers because i've spent a lot of time in the mountains and they're like ghosts, you know, unless you have a dog chasing yeah. them, you don't, you don't see those, um, very, very rarely when I've been archery hunting. In fact, I've, I've actually witnessed a, a mountain lion take down a deer. I was archery hunting, um, oh, wow. and I was sitting in a blind next to a, a water hole and a deer would come in a, a couple of does actually came in and a fawn. And while I was sitting there, the mountain lion actually came and, uh, caught the fawn and killed it and ate it. I mean, I, and I sat there and watched the whole thing, but you know, uh-huh. I've spent countless hours in the, in the mountains and I, you know, only a handful that I've actually seen in person that I haven't, you know, been with, you know, chased with a dog or something like that. So, um, yeah. interesting how you guys manage those populations. That That's cool. You guys have to be pretty creative in the ways you do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we base it on, We've we've done a lot of lion research in Utah, and we're actually we actually have a study going right now that's you know it's based on GPS, but we're looking at um, what what are they eating, and and we're going to try to develop a population estimate model from the data we get. Um, and so, but there's been you know over the last fifteen or twenty years, we've done a lot of research in Utah. So our metrics, the index, indexes we use, are based or kind of Utah-based data that that females in the harvest, that's based on some studies that were done. You know, we, we looked at a population that had low hunter pressure on the Ochres, which is just west of Salt Lake City, those mountains out, you know, kind of by, it's Twilla's 
west of them, but, but those mountains where Kennecott Copper is. So there's not a lot of access on that mountain just because it's all private. And the Monroe, which is in southern Utah by Richfield, mm-hmm. where people have a little more a little more access. So um, and just looking at how, you know, those two populations. And, and so U- Utah State University helped us with some of those metrics we're using nice. in our plan. But, yeah, you can't go out and fly a helicopter and, no. and count them like we do with, with elk. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, I, I'm trying to think. The only time I've seen a cougar in the wild without, yeah, without using dogs and, you know, on a study and, or, and didn't show up somewhere it shouldn't, like in a town where I got called. Right. Was, was actually out on the Oakers where we saw a few crossing the field, but you don't see them often. And one indication of what your population's doing is if you start to see a lot of those young lions showing up in areas where they don't traditionally show up in town and, you know, on the margins of, populated areas that a lot of times can be an indication that your population is growing and those those animals are dispersing those young males especially so. we've had a lot of issues with that out here in colorado um I, we, we've posted yeah. a couple articles about it but there's been several people just in the last year or two years that have um have been attacked you know there was one guy that was running mm-hmm. up by loveland and got attacked by a juvenile uh mountain lion and so i, I I think it's kind of that along those lines is Colorado has realized that the population of, of cougars is getting a little bit high and they've got to look at their management program as well. And so, um, I, I don't know in Utah, do you see many attacks, um, from mountain lions or, or bears or anything there? We haven't had, um, we haven't had a lion attack. I'm trying to think when the most recent one was. Wasn't there one in Pine have- Valley, like, 10 years ago or something like that. I, yeah. I remember one a yeah, long time ago. There was one where a guy had a, attacked his dog at the end of the minute, you know, when he tried to get it off his dog and attacked him. And then oh, yeah. uh, we, we have more bear, more bear stuff. Um, and again, both those populations have grown, but um, we had, you know, not last summer, summer before we had a couple of instances where, uh, where people, have been attacked by bears. We had one kid down um, by Moab that, that, that a bear came across. They were part of a river group, and the bear came across the group and and bit him pretty good. Um, last so two years ago, and you know he had the, he had some pretty significant injuries to his face and side of his head. Mm. And that you know that bear we was caught and euthanized, and then we had a more of an incidental one up by um, Springville in the mountains there where a, a bear kind of collapsed the kid's tent, scratched him in the process. Um, so bears actually a little more common just because they're less wary of people, especially mm-hmm. if they've gotten food in a campground or something like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, that it's public safety is our number one concern with, with, with these large predators and you know, the risk is low, but it happens. And so, you know, people need to be vigilant when they're either when they're hunting or just, I think hunters are kind of aware of it for the most part, but, um, people that are camping or running or biking and and they may be a little less, less, uh, wary. Oh, you know, the most recent one is it wasn't an attack, but did you see that video went viral? Um, I think it was last summer where a a guy ran across some kittens and a cougar. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it chased him down the road, of... huh? Or followed him down the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that one was, you know, yeah. I mean, That's he, right. I think he was running. He was yeah. out running and and kind of got, he didn't get in between her and her kittens, but she was obviously reacting to that. But, yeah, that was spooky. I mean. Yeah. That, oh, could you he, imagine? Uh, could you imagine being there and having that thing follow yeah. you like that? Oh, jeez. Yeah. It was scary. So people, yeah, people need to be aware. And, you know, you can, you can. People get bear spray. That'll work on lions too if, if yeah. they're concerned about that. And of course, you know, if someone's protecting themselves and they need to kill an animal like that, they they certainly can do that as well. So, and Darren, um, who, yeah, just who do they call if, if someone runs into you know? Because I mean, as humans, and you're, we're building new residential areas, we're encroaching. Like like you talked about the Ochre Mountains. I, I've got a cousin lives out there by the Ochre Temple, and you know, I mean, that used to be where they lived and then probably still live there close yeah. by. Um, so if people do run into these, what, what's the best thing to do? Like who do they contact in those situations? 
they can they can let the division know. And if they're not sure what number to call, uh, if it's if they just see one, uh, you can call your county sheriff or, or county dispatch, highway patrol dispatch. Don't call nine one one unless it's an emergency. If, if an animal attacks somebody or there's an injury, then by all means call nine one one. But if you just see one and you want to report it, you can call uh, them and they can contact us. But but um, it's probably quicker just to contact one of our regional offices and let us know. And then we'll respond. Um, we'll evaluate. You know, if you're in the mountains and you just saw a lion, that's great. We you know we would like to know about that, but we probably won't. You know, if there's no human safety risk, we may just talk to you on the phone and get some details. If, uh, you know, if one's been, we had one just uh, just recently hanging out um, in, in a community and, and eating people's house pets and, and, and things like that. But, you know, people are catching them on their uh, security systems. Yeah. There's a lot more of those available. So people are seeing them kind of hanging around. And they, they may have always kind of been there, but just no one ever has the ability to know mm-hmm. but there but now with, with these doorbells and different things they show up yeah they're so uh they're little ghosts we want to know about it yeah if you catch if you've got lions hanging around your house please or bears you know, please call us and let us know and we'll we'll come out and help and and evaluate the situation and and take awesome. action if necessary awesome appreciate that well darren i appreciate you taking um some time with me today was there anything yeah. that we didn't touch on any other um points that you wanted to make it, to let people know about i think the only other thing hunting wise we didn't talk about is one thing we did with lions last year that, that people might be interested in knowing is that we instituted a spot and stop hunt here in utah for for them too during the fall oh okay and that was part of the part of the law that talked that, that passed too that, that uh we make that opportunity available. So, you know, it, it's like we were talking, you know, the, the likelihood you'll see a mountain lion uh, without using dogs is, is low, but it's certainly a new opportunity that we haven't had before. So if people are coming out to hunt deer or elk and they'd like to have a mountain lion uh, permit in their pocket, they can certainly do that. Oh, that's um, the other thing that's that changed awesome. is um, people are allowed, that we, we raised the possession limit to two so people could take uh, two mountain lions now in utah uh, with with a couple of different permits and they can find details to that in our in our hunting guidebooks and you have a you have a brochure specifically for cougars right yeah so if people want to uh access our website um let me see i'll tell you what the website is it is wildlife.utah.gov um, and there's a there's a hunting tab there, and you can click on that and see all the different species and get information about um, about how to apply, uh, what the seasons are. All of those things are available available on uh, wildlife.utah.gov. That's awesome, and thank you for about the. Uh, I didn't realize that there was a spot in stock for mountain lions in the fall. I'm I'm really hoping, and I say this every year, and I've said this every year for like the last four years, that I'm going to finally draw <laughs> my limited entry elk tag. Um, yeah. Heaven knows I've got enough points to, <laughs> to do it, and but that's awesome because I'd love to have that in my back pocket. Like you said, there you you do rarely see them, but how cool would it be when you're out elk hunting to have that in your pocket? And if you were to see one, to be able to harvest it, that, that's awesome. I, I think that's a cool thing to yep. do. So, do you? Do you know yeah. off the top of your head how much that um, permit costs? Uh, it's, it's probably off the top of my head. I guess I I, I was going to say fifty four. I would have make sure it's right, but people can find all our our uh, our prices on at the same spot on our website. If you look at the guidebook, it'll tell you. And out of state's going to be more. So yeah, that's obviously. true. That's true. Um, okay. I'll I'll look that up on the on the brochure because if i do draw that tag i'm absolutely going to uh oh. put one of those in my pockets because you pocket because you never know yeah so. so uh let's see i've actually got it here um actually i thought i did it's a little less uh, the spot stock tag is 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 30 dollars for residents and actually it's 30 dollars for non-residents as well so oh. that's kind of a deal. Heck yeah, that's 
You'd be stupid not to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, be not not super expensive. And but again, the reason it's less is that the success rates are pretty low. So yeah, um, but it but you never know. As I say, I, like I said, I've seen a handful. I've spent a lot of time in the mountains, and I have seen a handful. Um, like I said, I saw that one on water. Yeah, I was sitting watching a whole herd of elk one time. The elk was bugling. It was beautiful, and right underneath me and my brother walked a, a mountain lion and. He, I don't know that he had any idea that we were there, but so I mean, you do see yeah. him, so it'd be cool to have it in your pocket. So, yeah. And then if, if people are interested at uh, resident cougar permits, other you know where you can use hounds are fifty eight dollars, and for non residents it's two hundred and ninety seven, and you have to have a, a hunting license with that as well. So, FYI, but all those are available on the in the cougar guidebook. You can take a look there, see what what those fees are. Yeah, go to that wildlife.utah.gov. It's got so much information. You can find all those guidebooks. I mean, I found the cougar one in a matter of just a couple seconds here. So really easy to, to work through the Utah Division of Wildlife's uh, website. So Cool, Darren. Well, I again, I appreciate your time. Um, I hope this isn't the last time that you and I chat. In fact, I'd love to, to jump on another yeah. podcast. And, you know, you and I kind of talked a little bit about the coyotes and what the Utah, what you guys in Utah do um, as far as managing those. It would be fun to jump on and talk more about that. Um, so hopefully you and I can stay in contact and, and do some more podcasts in the future. You Would you be down for that? Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Awesome. Well, cool. Again, appreciate your time. And um, if anybody has questions, please reach out to myself. Um, you guys can reach out to Darren as well um, or just reach out to the, uh, the DWR there in Utah. Um, they're very open to answering questions that anybody may have, um, kind of like what we talked about in the beginning. Really cool guys and gals, um, you know, just really friendly, willing to, to share any information that they can with you. So, Darren, I will let you back to your day. Appreciate your time, and uh, you have a great rest of your day, okay? Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. All right. See you, buddy. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening to the podcast appreciate your support and also appreciate the support of Vortex Optics as well as Phonescope for helping us make this whole thing possible. If you guys like what you hear, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use, like it, and please, please, please share it around to friends and family. That helps us get recognized and gets our podcast out there further. Also, if you guys want to mind, something that really helps us is leaving a, a review on Apple Podcast. That goes a long ways to getting us up on the, the list there. So if you guys wouldn't mind going on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a, leaving us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks, guys.